Good to see you, fellas. I, I'm so grateful that you would come out on a Thursday night and uh, you would prioritize this men's group. And, uh, man, I'm just so thankful to be a part of it. I couldn't wait to be here. And, uh, man, the food was fantastic. But I just enjoy being able to spend some time together. How many know not only do we need God, but we need good friends in our lives? You know, you, tell you this, you'll never do the will of God by yourself. You won't do it. It's, you will never be who God created you to be all by yourself. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need me in your life. <laughs> oh, man, it's fantastic. Um, hey, and there's something powerful about us uh, as men coming together and worshiping God. You know, I just, man, I, not only do, was I drawing strength, you know, f- from the presence of the Lord, but I was drawing strength from you. And, and I just begin to think about the, the beauty and how God created the body of Christ. And specifically, I thought about this church. And I want you to know what a privilege it is for me to be your pastor. And I don't just say that. It is a humbling thing to step in here and, and thank God that you would, you would give me the grace to be able to steward the lives of men like this. That, that you would trust Healing Place Church to be your spiritual family. And, and that you would, in some capacity, allow me to be a part of what God's doing in you. I want you to know, fellas, I do not take that for granted. This is not just kind of shoot from the hip. Yeah, easy come, easy go. No, 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 no. I've got skin in the game here. And, uh, and I know you do too. And I just appreciate you opening up your heart to me. Um, you know, I thought about, I love so many things about the church. Um, I, I love the students. I love our young people. I know in staff meeting today, we prayed for about 25 college kids who man, are discovering the call of God on their life. And man, young people bring a passion. They bring an energy, man. They bring a spark, you know, an enthusiasm. How many of you have kids at your house? How many of you, they have more energy than you do? Yeah, okay. I'm thankful for the next generation that brings that fire up in here. And then I thought about all the ladies. I mean, I'm just so grateful, you know, for the compassion that ladies bring. Just a a tenderness, you know, a a willingness, a surrender. I'm thankful for our, our students. I'm thankful for the ladies. But you know what you men bring to this house? You bring a strength. And I'm not just talking about physical strength. You know, I want to tell you this. As your pastor, I need you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. There, there, there's something that takes place. And, you, and I'm already preaching. Now. I hadn't even started. I didn't plan on saying any of this. But you read the scriptures and you see where God brought divine order, then the blessing was released. You know, there's divine order in a home. And, you know, God has positioned us to lead our homes. And we don't do that in, in, in a domineering way. We do that in a serving way. But when a man takes his rightful position in the home, and then the wife and children, when there's alignment, when there's divine order, then a blessing is released. You think about it whenever at the, at the, in Genesis, the Bible says that there was waters that covered the face of the deep. There was, there was chaos, but then the Holy Spirit came. God began to do a work, and he brought divine order. And then he looked down and said, hey, it's good. It's good. And there's something that, 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 that happens when men step up into their God-given divine authority and says, you know what? Hey, this is my house. I'm talking about the, the church. This is where I worship. Here's God, you're my priority. And when you put him first, the rest is blessed. Can I have a good amen? amen. So uh, thank you. I say this to, 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 to many of you. Uh, you know, I know a lot of men in this room, and I'm thankful to be your friend. I'm, I'm grateful to be your pastor, but I'm thankful to be your friend. 
And then I'm, I'm honored to, to be able to take some time to meet some, some new faces and, and learn some stories and, and make some connections. I, I won't be the pastor that I'm supposed to be without you. I'm telling you, just like you need other men in your life, I need you in mine. And so thank you for being part of, of my spiritual family. And are you ready to get in the Word tonight? Yes, sir. How many Bibles we have in the house? Come on, get out your Bible. Come on. Or get out your smartphone or get out your, get out your iPads. Whatever you got. I, I want to I give you a word that um, God kind of gave me this verse about three weeks ago, maybe a month ago now. And I think I shared it with a couple of guys. There's, where's Derek Foster? Derek Foster, he's one of my main men. How many of you, you appreciate Derek Foster? Don't you love this guy? <laughs> Brother gets fired up, does he not? You probably hear him before you see him. And, uh, but Derek, and where's Will? Where's Will Dunham? I, I saw Will earlier. He's all hiding up in the back. I remember about a month ago, these guys, they, we pray every Saturday. And, um, and we, we go to war every Saturday preparing for, for what God wants to do on Sundays. And I think I was sharing this verse with those guys, and God really dropped it in my heart. And, uh, and I want to bring it to you tonight. And if the Lord will let me on a Sunday, and I, I've got a couple of weeks that are, that are um, uh, already taken, already spoken for. But I want to bring this word eventually to the church, if he'll give me a, a freedom to do that. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And, and as you're turning there, let me say, too, thank you, fellas, for all the hard work that you've done over the last several weeks as it relates to disaster relief and recovery. Um, you know, there's, it's been a beautiful thing. Though it's been painful to see so many people suffering, it's been a beautiful thing to see the body of Christ come together and you men step up and serve. And, um, you know, I've heard so many comments from people in the community about you, about your spirit, about your passion. I'll tell you this quickly. Um, today, not, not today, yesterday, um, my kids go to school in Baton Rouge. They go to Dunham. And my daughter was telling me that one of the cafeteria workers lived in Denham Springs, and his house got like six feet of water. And, um, and so, and I, I tell my kids, know the names of the cafeteria workers. How many think that's a pretty important idea? It, it's going to bless you. If you. Hey, how you doing, Miss Victoria? How many know she's going to put an extra bread roll on that tray when you go by? Come on now. So my dad taught me that. He, and my dad was in, in education, and he taught for over 30 years. He said, two people that you need to know. You need to know the janitors, and you need to know the cafeteria workers. And so, um, so I, I told hey, make sure when you go through that lunch line, thank you. And you, you look them in the eye, and you call them by name. She said, Dad, Mr. Darrell, he's one of the cafeteria workers. Mr. Darrell lost everything in the flood, and I just I want to do something. I know our church is giving away so much stuff. Do you think maybe we could give Mr. Daryl some stuff? Now, this is coming from, a, she's in the eighth grade, okay, little 13-year-old. How many of you know that what we say and what we do, it kind of gets down into the hearts of our kids? And, and so this was really her idea. It kind of came from her. I'm like, well, baby, yeah, let's, let's put together some supplies and, and let's bring them to school. So she put together these disaster relief supplies in a box, just your basic necessities, your household items and things that were, were needed. And, um, and so yesterday morning, we, we go to school early because we're going to find Mr. Daryl. So we go to the cafeteria, and, man, I'm carrying the box because it's heavy. It's loaded down. Michaela had me loaded down. Daddy, just follow me. Now, don't say anything to anybody. Because how many know that as, as dads, we're just natural? The very fact that we're alive is embarrassing enough to our kids. <laughs> don't say anything to anybody. Okay, okay. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm the armor bearer. I'm going to bring the supplies. So we walk into the cafeteria, and we're hunting Mr. Darrell. Is Mr. Darrell here? And so he was in the back, so he comes out. And, uh, and so as soon as he comes out, then Michaela freezes. Like, she, she gets all shy. 
She doesn't say anything. She looks at me like, well, aren't you going to say something? I'm like, I didn't know I could talk. So I told him, I said, hey, Mr. Darrell, listen, you know, Michaela, this is really her idea. You know, she, she had heard that you lost so much in the flood. And, you know, so from us at Healing Place, we, we've got some supplies. We just, you know, we, we wanted to give them to you today. I'll tell you what, grown man, he's in his 50s. Grown man just broke down in tears. It was amazing. His heart was so tender and he was just I mean fumbling and bumbling and stumbling all over him so he didn't really know what to say you you, you that that big old church I, t- I, t- I see on tv what what's the name of your church again I said I, we're at healing place yeah yeah you think that maybe I could come visit I'm like man our our doors are always open man come on. so I you know I want to say stories like that again and again and again you know the, the way that you serve and, and how you represent God in this community it makes me proud to be your pastor. It makes me, I feel honored to be connected to what God is doing in your life. And so, anyway, I wanted to share that with you and say thank you for serving. Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes 5. Ecclesiastes 5. One single verse, okay? This is one simple verse that I want to break down almost word for word. We'll take it maybe word or phrase at a time. But this is something that I want you to take your time and chew on. Okay, we're not driving through Chick-fil-A getting a 12-count nugget, okay? We're not popping chicken nuggets. You can eat them in, in just a matter of seconds. This is Roos Chris. Come on, talk to me. This is Fleming's. Come on. How many like the big old fat filet, a big old steak that's been marinating for days? I mean, and, and we're, we're going to cook it medium. Is, uh, who's into medium? Medium? How many, how many like medium rare? Come on, medium rare. How many like medium well? Well done? Y'all need prayer, man. Don't y'all need prayer? God, you ruin a good steak. I'm just teasing. Cook to perfection, okay? I want us to, to, to chew on every bite of this verse, okay? It is so good. It's rich. Let this marinate in your soul, okay? Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 20. When I read this a month ago, I had to read it again. I wrote it down. I memorized it. I said, Rachel, you're not going to believe this verse is even in the Bible. How many of you have read a scripture a dozen times, but then you read it on that 12th, 13th time, and God shows you something you've never seen before? Don't you love that about the Word? I'm telling you, no other book does it. Men, nothing else does it. Entertainment doesn't do for you what you're about to get from this Word. It, it, it's, it's so good. And I don't know, I'm telling you, I'm going to be the happiest guy in the room. I'm going to be more excited than anybody about this. But check this out. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 20. The scripture says this. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. Okay? Now, let's don't just hydroplane over that. Let, let's, let's read that again, and I want you to meditate on it for a second. I want to let you, your spirit connect with what God's saying through this verse. I think this is going to challenge us. I hope it speaks to you like it did me, but the Scripture says, says this. God keeps such people. Somebody say, such people. Who's he talking about? How many of you want to be such people? Now, I want to tell you, I'm going to teach you this verse tonight, not out of something that I've achieved, but something that I'm stretching to become. Sometimes I'll read a, a passage in the Bible, and it'll be like God will say, hey, set a goal and stretch toward it. Uh, this is something I pray that becomes a part of my life. I may not be there yet, but I'm on my way. Come on. Hey, how many of you know you may not be where you want to be, 
but thank God you're not where you used to be. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm on my way. Okay, so check this out. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. Now, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to write down six things, okay? This single passage, this one verse, six ideas, and I want you to jot a few things down. First of all, write this down. Number one, it all starts with God. What's the first word of the verse? God. I'm tell you what, the promise of this verse is impossible unless God is first. This thing will not take place. You look at the verse again, and you can look at, read it uh, holistically, but notice the starting point is God. God, fellas, God has to be first in our priorities, in our practice, and in our prayer. It's interesting to me how whatever you put God first in, the rest is blessed. Can I have a better amen? How many of you know that if God is first in your marriage, your marriage is going to be all right? Doesn't mean it's going to be perfect, but if you prioritize God in a relationship, that relationship is going to work. If you put God first in your money, now I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to turn this whole thing into, you know, it's not about money. This works in every arena of life. This is not just about finances, but if you want your finances to be blessed, Put God first. How many of you know giving God that 10%? Actually, we don't give it to him. We return it to him. How many know it already belongs to him? You can't give God something that's already his. You return what belongs to him. If I give God, if I return that 10% to the Lord, that 90% is blessed and can do more than 100% in my hands. Put God first in your marriage, put him first in your money, put him first in your relationships, put him first in your, your, your job, in your career, in your dreams, in your desires. I'll tell you this, God has to be first. This verse will not work unless God takes his rightful place in our priorities, in our practices, and in our prayers. Check this out. You will never become the best version of yourself if you leave it up to yourself. You won't become the best you if you leave it up to you. How many knows God has to have a part in the equation? Lord, what is it that you want out of my life? I prayed that prayer years ago. You know, I've been in ministry for over 20 years. And when I first started in ministry, I said, Lord, what is it that you want from me? Do you know that 20 years later, I'm still saying the same thing? God, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to be? The best version of you, you'll never discover that apart from him. God has the blueprint. Are you with me? And, and that's why a lot of people struggle their entire lives because they don't put God first. Left up to you, how many knows you're going to make a mess of things? And then eventually you're going to reach a place where you can't clean up what you've messed up. Come on now. You'll never discover the best version of you if you leave it up to you. God has to be that top button. And we've used this illustration before, but, you know, the button-down shirt. Think about it. How many has ever been in a hurry trying to get dressed? And you got the, the buttons and the holes kind of, you know, and your, your shirt's all kind of disjointed. And, it's, and you don't even realize it. You run out the door and you're like, oh, wait a second. You know, sometimes people go through life like this. But here's the, the, the simple practice is, if I can get that top button lined up in the first hole, 
then the rest of it just falls in place. Same thing. If God, you got to make God the top button. If you put God right here, then your career, your marriage, your relationship, your finances, how many know it all falls in place? Somebody say God first. This whole verse, it takes place because God is first. The Bible says God, number two, keeps me so busy. Write down the word preoccupied. I love this word. I'm going to tell you about this word. God keeps me so busy. Somebody say so busy. I'm just so busy. I'm so preoccupied. Interesting, if you've got children, how many of you know kids, once they get electronics in their hands, iPhone, iPads, how many know they just get totally sucked in? I mean, they're, they're preoccupied. You know, it's funny because Trevor, you know, he'd get on that iPad, start playing a game, and you can't get his attention for anything. I heard a study recently, they they did a case study on kids and technology, and they put kids in a room that that they were very familiar with, all the familiar furniture and all the objects and the belongings in the room that they knew, and their parents and their family members all in the room gave these kids an iPad and turned the kids loose. Well, as the kids are engaged in whatever game that they're playing on the iPad, then they removed some of the furniture and brought in some foreign objects, and the kids didn't even notice. And then the, the, the parents and family members left the rooms, and complete strangers came in, and the kids were still oblivious. It wasn't until they disconnected the Internet that the kids looked up. And then they said, wait a second, who are you? Where am I? All of a sudden, it never dawned on them because they were preoccupied. Now, watch this. Watch this. The Bible says God can keep us so preoccupied, so busy, immersed in his goodness, in his blessing, in his favor, that we don't even know. We're oblivious to the negativity. Come on now. To the criticism, to the attacks. Wait a second. I don't... I'm oblivious to that. You know why? Because I'm so caught up in the goodness of God that I can't pay attention to all that negative stuff out there. Are you with me, fellas? This is, this is huge. In fact, it was funny because last week, Freddie, you and I were talking about working out, going to the gym. Last week, uh, I was at the gym, and this guy, he was a monster. Okay, I'm telling you, shoulders, neck, I, I mean, just massive. And he had this bright neon orange HPC parking shirt. Okay, HPC parking, bright neon. And this guy was just walking. And, of course, with arms that big, he cut the sleeves off. And I'm thinking, man, if my arms were that big, I'd be wearing sleeveless shirts too, man. He was proud. And he cut the neck out too, I mean, just to fit. So I'm looking at the shirt, and I'm thinking, wow, healing place parking. And, uh, and tell me, you know, that when you're in the gym, there's certain rules of, of, of etiquette that you kind of have to follow. You know, if somebody's in the middle of the workout, you just don't come up on them, you know. You just, you got to give a guy a space. Can I have a good amen? And that guy, man, he was a big dude and needed a lot of space. And so, but I wanted to talk to him about the, the Healing Place shirt he was wearing. So I kind of, after he finished a set, then I kind of went over. I was like, hey, hey, dude, hey. Hey, I like your shirt. Now, he was wearing headphones. And so I, he, oh, what's that? What's that? Hey, man, I. I like that shirt you're wearing. He's like, oh, yeah, thanks, bro. Put his headphones back in. Start working out. I'm like, no, dude, hey, I like that. I like that shirt you're wearing. Yeah, 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 thanks, man. Thanks, man. He's just working out. I'm thinking, dude, that's a healing place shirt. Who'd you steal that shirt from, man? 
healing place. Hello. I go to that church. You know, I w- <laughs> How many know the brother was oblivious? He was so preoccupied. Fellas, let me tell you this. I pray that you're so preoccupied with how good God has been to you that you don't even have time to be jealous of what God is doing in somebody else. You see, where we get in trouble is we take our eyes off of what he's doing right here, and then we're going to look at another brother and say, oh, God's blessing him. God gave him a promotion. Look how God's advancing him. And what we've, what we've done now, we're missing, we're missing. Wait a second. God, it starts with you, but I want to be so preoccupied with what you're doing in me that I don't even have time to worry about what's happening somewhere else. Are you with me? I, I, I pray that you embrace the. I'm telling you, the, the, none of this is possible without God. But if you put God in his rightful place, then all of this stuff begins to line up. The Bible says, number one, God keeps us so busy. Let me tell you this. Whatever you focus on, it gets better. If you'll focus on the goodness of God, you'll realize how amazing God is. Think about it. When I focus on my marriage, my marriage improves. When I focus on my, my yard, my yard's going to look better. Focus on my, my, my spirit, man, my spirit gets stronger. If you'll focus on the goodness of God and be preoccupied with what he's doing in you, you won't have to worry or be tripped up with the negative, crazy, critical stuff that's happening around you. Look at what it says. Number three, God keeps me so busy enjoying life. Number three, write down the word joy. Somebody say joy. joy. Mm, different than happiness. How many know there's a difference? Happiness is connected to happenings, circumstances. But joy has nothing to do with externals. It has everything to do with what's happening on the inside. I'm going to tell you this, men, and and I want you to look at me just for a second. Please, and hear this, because what I'm about to say, I think it could could be a game changer. But if you're going to experience joy in this world today, you're going to have to do it in spite of some things. You're going to have to do it on purpose. You, you can't wait for a certain set of circumstances to actually unfold. If you're waiting for the right time to be happy, you're going to be waiting for a long, long time. So many times we say, well, I'll be happy when. Come on, have you ever thought that? I'll be happy when I can graduate and get out of school. And man, guess what happens? You graduate, you get out of school, and then you think, man, I got to get a job. Well, I'll be happy when I get a job. And so, man, bless God, you get a job. And you're like, oh, man, I need to be making even more money. I'll be happy when I make the right money. And then you make all that money and think, man, I got nobody to share it with. Well, I'll be happy when I get married. And then you get married. <laughs> yeah, all that money you had, bye-bye. Somebody said money talks, and the only thing it says to me is bye-bye. Well, I'll be happy when I have kids, and then you have kids. I'll be happy when the kids grow up, and then they leave the house. You're like, man, it sure is quiet in here. I'll be ha-. And you keep moving the finish line back further and further. I'm going to tell you what. That race has no finish line. Either you decide to enjoy today, or you're not going to enjoy it. The Bible says in Psalm 118, verse 24, This is the day the Lord has made. We will what? Rejoice. And do what? 
okay, we will rejoice. I'm telling you this, men, to rejoice is a choice. I will rejoice. you got to make a decision on purpose right now today. In spite of what's happening around me, I know the God that's at work in me. Come on, we're breaking down Ecclesiastes 5.20. God keeps me so busy enjoying life. Fellas, make the life you want with the life that you have. I wish I had somebody else's life. I wish I had somebody else's situation. I wish I had somebody else's job, somebody else's opportunity. No, no, no. God's given you the life that you have. Now make the life that you want from the life that you have. I'm telling you what, it's impossible without God. God keeps me so preoccupied, so busy enjoying life. Now watch this, that I take no time. Number four, write down this word, write down this phrase. Don't waste time. He says, I take no time. Men, don't waste a single solitary second. Don't surrender a single moment to the devil. Don't do it. Some of you, the enemy has robbed you far too long. He's taken days, weeks, even months from you. You have surrendered time. This scripture says, I'm so preoccupied. God keeps me so busy enjoying life that I take no time. I'm telling you what, this is important. Give no room to the enemy. My life is so full. It is so full of God's goodness that I just don't have any room left. There's no real estate in my heart. There's no space in my mind. I'm not giving over anything to the enemy. Some of you, you need to evict the enemy from the space that he's occupied. You need to kick him out. Say, no, pack your bags, and it's time to hit the road. Because you've, you've been taking up space, and you've robbed me of time. Fellas, we got to make a decision. I don't know how much time I have left. I don't. But I want to live each day as if it's my last. And I come in here tonight and I thought, you know, as we were worshiping, I thought, Lord, this may be the last time I ever get to preach your word. God, I'm going to give it everything I have. I, I want to go out with nothing left. Guys, I'm not saving, all right? You hear me? I'm not saving anything. I want to cross the finish line totally exhausted and deplete because I have poured everything he's given me out to help somebody else. That's how, that's how I want to live. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saving anything. You know, what is, uh, you know, whether I'm preaching to a, a stadium with 10,000 men or whether we're right here with 100, I'm giving it everything I got. And we ought to live life that way every single day. Squeeze it for what it's worth. You know, you, you are not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not. Do you know? And sometimes we have this illusion of control. And I talked about it this past Sunday when we said you got to surrender. Sometimes we think we control so much. I'm going to tell you what. Everything you have is borrowed. Everything. Your very breath is borrowed. One day God will require it back. We own nothing in this world. We came into this world with nothing. We're going to leave with nothing. So uh, Proverbs 27.1, the Bible says, Don't brag about tomorrow, for you have no idea what a day may bring. You just don't know. What if this day were your last? 
you know, I go to bed every night, and I told you guys this, and I'm serious. Every night I go to bed, I pray, Lord, if you wake me up tomorrow, I promise you won't regret it. God, if you, if, by your goodness, if you choose to wake me up in the morning, and guess what? That when, when I wake up in the morning, I think, yes. Oh, yeah, baby. It is on. God, let's do this. Let's do this. I want to make a difference in somebody's life. I'm going to help somebody today. I, I may make a lot of mistakes in the process, but you know what? If I strike out, I'm going to strike out swinging. Don't surrender a single second to the devil. The scripture says, I take no time. Now watch this, to brood. Everybody say brood. brood. Now when was the last time you said that word? I've never, I don't think I've ever said that word. How many kind of really don't, maybe sort of kind of know what it means? Okay, here's what the word brood means. Okay, now I want you to listen to this. The word brood means to dwell on. It means to wallow in. Come on, when I say wallow, what picture comes to your mind? Yeah, like a pig in the mud, right? What does a pig do when it, when it sees mud? He just roll all up in it and just get it all up. In it. To brood means to wallow. I think of self-pity when I hear those words, wallow. You know, self-pity is one of the most debilitating things a man could ever go through. Just woe is me. Just so, man, it means to dwell on. It means to wallow in. Watch this. It means to sit upon like eggs to hatch. To brood like a mother hen will sit on her nest and those eggs will, will be incubated and eventually they'll hatch. Now, here's what happens. When you brood over disappointment and failure and things of the past, guess what happens? Eventually, something grows from that. Something hatches from you give life to something. Watch this that you got to live with now. Just like that mother hen and those little chicks. Now, she's responsible for all that life that came from her brooding. When we rehearse the past, when we nurse the past, when we curse the past, you know what we're doing? Things are being hatched. And now we're having to deal with all this stuff that we gave life to. The scripture says, I don't even have time. I'm so preoccupied with the goodness of God. I don't even have time to dwell on, to wallow in, or to hatch anything from the past. Isn't that beautiful? I think that is fantastic. That is a great word because some men have a hard time moving forward because they're still brooding over the past. And the very last word, the final number six, write down the word yesterday. Yesterday. There's nothing I can do about yesterday, fellas. Nothing I can do. Not a single thing I can do about yesterday. That 24 hours that God gave me yesterday is spent. It's forever gone. Fellas, and this day, it's about done too. Do you know the only reason why you would look to the past is not to live in it, but to learn from it? You learn from the past, but you were never meant to live in the past. I can't embrace my future if I'm constantly dwelling, brooding, lamenting over the past. Fellas, some of you, you just need to let go of yesterday. You need to say, okay, to the mercy of God. Uh, there's nothing I can do about that. Now, I want to learn from it, but I can't live in it. You know, I was watching uh, Monday Night Football this, this past uh, 
Monday night. I think the Bears against the Eagles. How many saw that game? Bears and Eagles. And Jalen Mills, former LSU uh, defensive back, I think he, he now plays for the Eagles. Am I right on that? Well, one of the play. I remember the commentator was saying something about the game in that um, I think Jalen must have missed a coverage or there was some broken, some assignment, some, somebody had made a mistake, and his guy ended up catching the ball and scoring a touchdown. And so, you know, Jalen, of course, he's a rookie. Man, I'm pulling for all those LSU guys, man. I'm like, come on, man. That's like, I represent, represent. The very next series, um, Jalen either breaks up the pass or, or he intercepts the ball. And the commentator was talking about how important it is if you make a mistake, you got to just put that behind you. He said, if you don't learn how to let go of a mistake, then it'll mess up the current drive that you're on and every play after that. Good players learn how to let go. Hey, man, that was my bad. I missed it. Okay, then you got to learn from it and let it go. Because you know what? Hey, we're playing. The ball's all, man, step up to the line of scrimmage, man. There's still time on the clock. You can make a difference today. But you'll never make a difference moving forward if you're constantly looking over your shoulder. God keeps me so busy enjoying life that I take no time. To brood over the past. How many fellas tonight say, you know what, Mike? I needed that. That was for me. That was for me. Awesome. Fellas, can you bow your heads? I want to pray over you. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Lord, we love Steve, y'all come on up, guys. Come on up. Come on up. Guys, you've been awesome. I appreciate you opening up your heart to me tonight. I just wonder if, if there may be a handful of fellas say, you know what, Pastor, I... That verse, that verse, I, I haven't been enjoying life. Maybe some of you came up here tonight, and if the truth were known, man, you're just struggling. You know, this whole thing about joy, you can't remember the last time you really enjoyed yourself. Maybe you, you've carried so much pressure from work. Maybe things at home are not well. Um, maybe you feel like you're misplaced. I don't even know if I've embraced my purpose. But you're struggling to enjoy life. I just feel like God has something for you tonight. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I am not a happy camper. I'm just not enjoying life. Life is not fun. I mean, you work, you work, you work, you labor, you toil, and, and you just, you're not seeing the fruit of it. Would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm struggling to enjoy life. You talk about being so preoccupied with the goodness of God. I want that, but man, I'm struggling to find my joy. In fact, if, if, if you raise your hand, I want you to stand to your feet right where you are because I want to pray for you. I believe this can be a turning point for a lot of men. Now, let me ask you this second question. I wonder, are there some guys here tonight that say, you know what, Pastor, I've made some mistakes in my past, and the truth is I've kind of been brooding over those mistakes. You have rehearsed them. You have nursed them. You have played them over and over. It's like a replay. You, you, you've just seen it over and over again in your mind. And it's hard for you to move forward because you feel tied and tethered to the pain of yesterday. If you need freedom from your past, I want you to stand to your feet. Stand up right where you are. Say, Mike, I need freedom from my past. Ooh, and the devil has been throwing your past up in your face. When you try to stretch out into a new season, he whispers to you and he talks to you about the sins of yesterday. He talks to, he reminds you of your failures. And it's hard for you to shake that stuff off. Anybody else say, Pastor, pray for me. Come on, stand up right where you are. You're trying to shake away the things of yesterday. Mm, thank you, Lord.